Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. So we've been in this series that we are calling Above All, and in this series we've been looking at every single miracle that the Bible records from Jesus. And so we've just been going miracle by miracle by miracle. It's been a great time learning about what he did because when we see what he did, we know who he is. So we better understand him by seeing what he did. And so today we're continuing on and we're going to go to the gospel of St. Mark chapter 9. So turn there in your Bibles. I'll give you a couple minutes at home to just get there as well. And um, as you go there, I just invite you at the house where you're watching from to kind of like still the kids, still the house. And let's just really listen in because I feel right now, I really believe this. And, um, and I just want to say it that, that I believe God's going to speak in a powerful way. I just believe he's going to speak tonight such a powerful way. And I think this message is going to really help someone because listen, I've been preaching to myself all week. You see that that's how God will work sometimes where the message is like for me, I'll preach it to you all, but lots of times it's for me. And today, today this is one of those words. So I want to dig in Mark chapter nine, verse 14. Let's read. We've got a few verses to read and then we're going to dive in. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. At the foot of the mountain, they found a great crowd surrounding the other disciples as some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. So these teachers were arguing with the disciples. The crowd watched Jesus in awe as he came toward them and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son for you to heal him. He can't speak because he is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this evil spirit seizes him, it throws him down violently to the ground and makes him foam at the mouth and grind his teeth and become rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't. Jesus said to them, now that Jesus looks to his disciples and he says something, it's, it's pretty harsh. Y'all ready for this? Okay, this is Jesus. All right. He says, you faithless people, how long must I be with you until you believe? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Ouch, right? That, that hurts. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and he gives them this rebuke. He goes on to say, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was very small, the evil spirit often makes him fall into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us do something if you can. Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly replied, listen to the father. He says, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. So when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit, spirit of deafness and muteness. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy lay there motionless and he appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd. He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, 
They asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. In other versions, it says this kind only comes out by prayer and by fasting. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought. What about my failure? What about my failure? Let's take a moment to pray and then we're going to dig in. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to dive into your word today. I pray, Father, that you would not only be here in this place where we're recording, but you would also be at the home of every person that is watching online, wherever they're watching, however they're watching. I just pray, Father, that your presence would surround them. We need you to speak to us through your word today. We open up our heart and our mind to receive you and all that you have for us today. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Amen. What about my failure? So failure is a part of life, right? Everybody fails. No one is exempt from failing. And uh, what's kind of crazy is we live in a generation where people's failures are magnified, right? Because there's, there's, there's media, there's, there's, there's social media, and we live in a gotcha culture where people are just looking to capture someone failing and say, I gotcha, right? And then it's amplified because we also live in a cancel culture. So it's like someone messes up, we catch them, and then we want to you know, cancel them. And so that's just the, the, the world in which we live in. And um, I think social media has really amplified failures. And you see people that um, might be going through a rough patch and it's just, everyone sees it. I think about um, famous people and, and well-known celebrities, right? Um, they've got like hundreds of thousands of eyes on them, if not millions of people watching them. And they have to see them play out their failures in real life. You know, it's like, sometimes it's good not to be too known, right? <laughs> it's like, it's good to not be too known. So not too many people have to see me live out my failures because we all fail. Everybody fails. And I was thinking about um, a a real public failure that happened a few years ago. And it's with a singer and now Christian named Justin Bieber. You guys remember when Justin Bieber was a hot mess? Come on, you can laugh. It's okay. Uh, uh, There was a time when he was making the news for all the wrong reason. And it had nothing to do with his amazing talent or his amazing voice. He was just on a tear. He was just on a bender. But but during that time, I don't know if you remember. I, I, I certainly remember this, okay? During that time, there were some pastors that got close to him. And I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. I said, hey, did you notice that he's with pastor so-and-so? Did, did you notice that another pastor's been saying time with him? I saw Justin Bieber on this person's stories, but they're pastors. And all of a sudden it was like these two worlds colliding, right? It's like this, this uh, celebrity singer who's just going through this, this horrific um, just time in his life. And then you saw these pastors getting closer to him. And then uh, if you didn't know, he had a radical encounter with Jesus. He's now growing in his faith. Um, and, and, and you see him growing in his faith. But, but I was so inspired by those pastors. I was, and, and I would pray for them. And I would tell my small group, hey, we need to pray for Pastor so-and-so and Pastor so-and-so. And they're probably like, what is up with you and the TMZ, you know, fanboy in here? But, but for real, I, I thought it was so cool to see these pastors run to someone in the middle of their failure. I thought it was so cool to see this pastor. You know what? We want to get around and help this person in the middle of his failure. And in our text today, I want to show you some of that. I want to show you how Jesus handled 
failure. Y'all ready? So as this passage picks up, Jesus was with Peter, James, and John, and he was in a mountain. And, uh, and when we arrive at Mark chapter nine, what happens is Jesus is gone. And there's this father, as we read about, whose son had a bad spirit. And so he, he brings his son to the disciples and he was really looking for Jesus, but Jesus wasn't around, right? He was up on the mountain, he was praying. And because Jesus wasn't there, he goes to the disciples and he says, do something about my son. And here's what happens. They couldn't get rid of the bad spirit. They, they couldn't heal the boy. And what made matters worse is some of the religious teachers saw it. Now, now these religious teachers were hating on Jesus and they were hating on his followers. So for them, seeing the disciples fail was great. They, they, they were taking so much joy in seeing the disciples fail, that it started to cause a commotion. So there's this commotion happening and you've got this, this hopeless father, this sick son, these powerless disciples and these critical religious teachers. Can you see this whole hodgepodge of things happening? And right when it's getting out of control, Jesus comes walking down the mountain. And, and, and that's where our text picks up. And, and I wanna pull some things that I see here in this past description, now normally I'll, I'll, I like to give out points and all you note takers, I like to give you three solid points. Well, today you're going to write your own points, okay? Because I've just got three observations that I want to point you to and I want you to really pull out of it what you're seeing, okay? So, so first, let's talk about the failure of the disciples. Is that okay to go there? Let's talk about the failure of the disciples. So when Jesus arrived, um, there's all this commotion going on. There's, there's just this, this, this hate, this, this, this crowd of haters that is gathered. And you got these disciples that are like trying everything, but clearly they failed. They can't heal this boy. They're getting desperate. The Bible says when Jesus came down, they like ran to him. They're like, finally, he's here. But notice what Jesus does. He says to them, how long must I be with you until you believe? Ouch, right? I mean, last week, in this very same location, I talked about this loving father, right? I talked about how he loves you unconditionally. And I talked to you about how you can't perform your way into his love. And all of that is true. That's the gospel, right? But there's a flip side to it though. There's a little bit of a balance here that I want to tug on. And what I see here, because Jesus rebukes them and you're like, that's kind of mean, Jesus. Like you, you, you dealt kind of harshly with your disciples. And, and here's the reason why. Jesus had been pouring into his disciples. Jesus had been teaching them. Jesus had been modeling to them how you work with people that need to be healed. He had been modeling to them how to cast out a bad spirit. He had been doing all of this and not just modeling it, guys. We're in Mark chapter nine. If you go back to Mark chapter six, you go three chapters earlier, here's what happens. Jesus sent his 12 disciples out to the villages and into the towns to go and heal the sick and to cast out demons. And they went and they were successful. And so in Mark chapter six, the disciples had already gone, cast out devils, healed the sick. They came back and they told Jesus, it was awesome. We did all these things in your name. And then you get to Mark chapter nine and they're powerless. You get to Mark chapter nine and they're like, we can't do what we used to do. And Jesus was frustrated with them. And you might be wondering, well, Jesus, why are you so frustrated? Because on the flip side of God's grace and love, there is an expectation that we are growing in our relationship with Jesus. Okay. There is this expectation that we are growing day by day. And in addition to just growing, there's an expectation that we produce fruit. Okay. 
Jesus has always taught his disciples that there should be fruit. If we are growing in a relationship with God, fruit should be the natural byproduct. Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. And so Jesus is frustrated because instead of them advancing, they've now gone backwards. So the reason Jesus gave the disciples a stern rebuke is because rather than them growing in the grace of God, rather than them maturing, he's like, wait a second, you guys have now gone backwards. And this is why Jesus dealt sternly with them. Is he a loving father? Absolutely. Is he gracious and full of mercy? Absolutely. Does he expect you to grow? He does. He does. He, he doesn't expect you to be in the same condition forever. Now he's gracious, can show you mercy, but, but he looked at them and he said, how long must I be with you before you start to believe? And so Jesus had this expectation that they could heal this boy. The boy's father had this expectation that they could heal his boy, but rather than it happening, they failed. They failed. They, they couldn't get the job done. And, and here's the big idea that I want you to take away from that. You will fail because everybody fails. We all fail. If you don't fail, it's because you're not doing anything, right? Uh, we're all going to make mistakes in life. We're all going to fail. The Bible says it this way. Everybody falls short of the glory of God, okay? So, so the Bible, there is no expectation for perfection. Progress, yes. Perfection, no. So, so, so there is no expectation for you to be perfect, but understand that failure will be a part of the journey. It's going to happen. We're not going to bat 1,000. Come on, all of my baseball fans. I'm excited that the Padres are relevant this year. Come on, how many of you are so excited that we can actually talk about baseball in San Diego again and not cringe? I mean, I didn't even know we had a professional baseball team. They look like a minor league team for so long. I know, deep, 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 deep. Okay, all right. But here's the deal. We're all going to make mistakes, okay? Nobody bats 1,000. That's baseball terminology. Nobody is perfect. But, but... But you, there are so many people that are afraid to do something because they're so afraid of failure. But listen, you'll never accomplish anything for God if you never step out. You'll never accomplish anything for God if you don't learn how to deal with failure. And here's another thing. Here's another thing. Speaking of the Padres and failures, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> criticism follows failure. Okay? Criticism follows failure. In humanity. Okay? In humanity. Criticism follows failure. That's why, it, I'm going to stay on this sports thing, forgive me ladies, but you'll hear the term just win, baby. And you know, any of my dudes in here know what I'm talking about say just win. They say everything gets better if you just win, right? When they're not winning, it's like, it's the coach, it's the quarterback, it's this one. But when, it, when, when, when you're winning, everything's great. But have you noticed that when teams aren't winning, the criticism starts? Fire the coach, fire the manager, you know, get, rid of, get a new owner, right? Criticism follows failure. But here's the deal. In the kingdom of God, grace follows failure. So there's a contrast there. In humanity, criticism follows failure. But in the kingdom of God, it's grace that follows failure. When the disciples tried, watch this. When the disciples tried and they failed, that's when Jesus arrived. 
You see, Jesus will always arrive at the point of failure. Jesus will always walk in when you didn't get it right. Jesus will walk into the room and listen, people will walk out of you, but there's someone that will walk in and that's Jesus. I've seen it happen so many times. Somebody fails, somebody makes a mistake, some, some, some sort of big thing happens and everybody walks out in the room and in comes Jesus. That's the kingdom of God. That's the mercy of God. And that's the grace of God. He walks into a room that everybody walks away from. Think about that for a second. He runs to the prodigal son. He, he, he comforts the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. He promotes the person, David, King David, who plotted a murder. He, he uses the invalid. He heals the sick. Jesus always comes back for those that have failed. So when I see the failure of the disciples, did Jesus, did, was he a little tough on them? Sure, he was a little tough on them, but, but notice he showed up. He always shows up. And that's what I love about my God. And that's the first example that we have got to be like as Jesus followers, that we have got to love people back to life. That's what Jesus did. When, when someone was at their lowest, in comes Jesus. When the disciples have failed, here comes Jesus. When, when it looked like, oh my God, these disciples are worthless, in comes Jesus. So that's one type of failure that I noticed in this passage of scripture. But there's a second failure that I want to talk to you about. And that's the failing faith of the father. Because the father's faith was failing him. So Jesus, he kind of rebukes his disciple, but then he, he, he shifts his attention now to the father. And as he shifts his attention to the father, he says, how long has this been happening? Now, this is a principle, okay? Anytime Jesus asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because he wants you to deal with the answer. Jesus knows everything, okay? So anytime you see Jesus in your Bible, okay, that's a principle. If Jesus asks the question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He's trying to get the person that he's talking to to deal with the answer. That's, that's what prayer is, right? That's what confession is. We don't say to go and confess to God because you're going to surprise him. You're not going to say anything that he's going to be like, oh my God, I had no idea that happened today. He knows. What he's trying to do is get you to deal with it because we don't want to deal with it. We're just like, nobody saw it. I'm good. You know what I mean? Nobody saw me. But, but Jesus asked the question, how long has this been going on? And again, why does he ask the question? Because he wants the father to deal with it. And so uh, the father just begins to tell him, you know, this has been happening. This has been happening. This has been happening. This has been happening. And then what does he say? Do something if you can. Hold on a second. He's talking to Jesus, right? This is not one of the 12. This is not... The, this is not the apprentice. This is the master. And I think this is why Jesus asked the question because he wanted to lead him to this point where the man would expose the fact that his faith was starting to fail him because he says, do something if you can. And what did Jesus say back to him? What do you mean if I can? And I love that because Jesus didn't always flex, but he flexed right there. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that was a legit flex because he looked at him and says, what do you mean if I can? And I think that's the reason Jesus asked the question because he's trying to get the father down to this point. And then finally the father says, just, just do something if you can. And Jesus is like, what do you mean if I can? And he flexed on him to let him know I can do anything. All you have to do is believe. And so what does the father say? He said, I do believe, but help my unbelief. In other versions, it says, I do believe, but I'm starting to doubt. What does that mean? His faith was starting to fail him. And I don't know about you, but I can relate 
to having my faith tested. How many ever been so full of faith, had an encounter with God where you were ready to charge hell with a water pistol? Come on. How you know what I'm talking about? Maybe it was a camp. Maybe it was a good service. You heard a good sermon. You're like, ah, I'm ready to go. And then like two weeks later, you can't even pray anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Uh, you know, it's like, it, yeah. how many of you ever had your faith just fail you? It happens. And that's what happened with the father. Now, I don't know if the father ran to the disciples full of faith or if his faith was already running on empty when he got there. The point is, is that when he got to where Jesus is, he says, I believe, but I also doubt. I believe, but I'm also struggling here. I'm, I believe, but I doubt. Is it possible for belief and doubt to coexist? Can belief and doubt coexist? I'm going to propose to you that it can. I'm going to propose to you that it is possible for you to believe and to also doubt. Because there's some men and women in the Bible that we celebrate that doubt with doubt. How did Abraham and Sarah treat the word that God gave them when he said, you're going to have a child? And Abraham's like, I'm 100 years old, brother. The factory's closed. Have you seen my wife? She's no spring chicken either, okay? And she reminded him when Jesus said, you're going to have a kid. He's like, she's 90, okay? We are well past childbearing age. What's that? That's not belief, is it? That's doubt. Did God use him anyway? Yeah, he did. How about Job? We were singing about Job just a minute ago. How about Job? He refused to curse God and die. But he was struggling, wasn't he? He, he, was, he lost his family. He lost it all. He doubted that God was good. If you remember that, he's like, could he really be a good God? So he began to doubt the goodness of God. Gideon doubted that God could use him to defeat the Midianite army. Moses doubted that God could use him because he has a speech impediment. When God said, Moses, you're going to be my spokesperson. Moses is like, I stutter. I can't be your spokesperson. I stutter. Go find someone that can talk right. And think about Thomas for a second. Thomas, the disciple, you know, they literally call him Doubting Thomas. <laughs> he's one of the 12 and he's called Doubting Thomas. Think about that for a second. What an awkward name to have and to be known as. Instead of being Thomas full of faith, he's Doubting Thomas. But, but listen, every time God used these people, even though they doubted. So let me give you something to write down, okay? Doubt is the fire through which faith passes. Doubt is the fire through which faith passes. Here's the reason why. If you have doubt, it should cause you to have greater faith in God. Because listen, if you didn't have doubt, then it's easy. And if it's easy, then you wouldn't need God. Most of the time, God doesn't call you to do easy. God calls you to do the hard thing. And, if, and he calls you to do the thing where initially you're like, oh, there's just no way that's going to happen. And then God does it. Faith passes through fire. Faith is formed in the fire of doubt. Faith comes out of the fire of doubt and it comes out stronger and it comes out better. And you mature when you can press through the doubt. Let me say it this way. If you're not doubting, perhaps your dream is not big enough. If there's no shred of doubt, then your dream's not big enough because you can do it without God. You know what doubt is? Doubt is knowing that this is what I think I can do and this is what God is asking me to do. Over here is a gap that I call doubt. Like there's just no way I can't do that. And what faith does is that faith bridges you from what you can do and what God is calling you to. And it's going to push you through that doubt. Faith is just going to go through that and it's going to make you even stronger. So what do we do? Here's another good one to write down. Live obediently. Here's the reason why. 
live obediently. Because some people might say, well, Pastor Josh, you're saying you take a big risk? Well, here's what I've learned. Obedience is not a risk when you have a word from God. Obedience is not a risk when you have a word from God. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But when you have a word from God, you go. And it's no longer risk. And that's what I love about planting a church and coming up into the city of San Marcos is because I knew that God told me. And some people say, wouldn't it just been easier for you to go to Chula Vista or somewhere in the South Bay? Yeah, it would have been easier. As a matter of fact, it would have been too easy because I got friends down there. I got family down there, but I got to go somewhere where I don't have as many friends and I don't know as many people and I'm going to have some doubt, but it's only through that am I going to see the goodness of God. It's only going into the uncomfortable and into the hard that I'm going to see the goodness of God. And what was happening here is the father's faith was starting to die. It was, it was starting to fail. And I think that's why Jesus asked him the question, how long has this been happening? Because he wanted to get him to confess so that he can say, listen, anything is possible if you believe. Come on, that's powerful right there. He just tells him, listen, anything is possible. But I doubt that's fine, but as long as you believe. I don't know how I'm going to make it. That's fine. Just keep on believing. But I don't know if I have what it takes. That's fine. Just keep on believing. When you are overconfident in your own ability, be careful. Be careful. You, you want to be stretched. You want to be uncomfortable. You want to get put in the place where it's like, I don't know if I can do this. And that's the place where God stretches you. He wants to take you out of your comfort zone. He wants to move you into the place where like, I doubt this will work. And God's like, that's the perfect setup for me, if you doubt. Now, let me get to the last one here, okay? So we talked about uh, the failure of the disciples and we talked about the failing faith of the Father. But let me talk about how do we fail forward? How do we fail forward? Because I, I, I see this here. And, and, and this is where I think it's really gonna help some of you. As we get to the end of the story, Jesus heals that, that boy, right? And the disciples ask him, why couldn't we do it? It's an honest question because they did it before, right? They're like, we've done this before. I know how to exercise a demon. <laughs> kind of a weird thing to say, but it's like, I know how to do this. Why couldn't we do this? And then Jesus says to them, this kind can be cast out only by prayer and fasting. Now, many people end the story right there. Okay, just pray and fast and we're going to get rid of all the devils. But here's the deal. That doesn't deal with failure. That doesn't even begin to deal with the failure of the disciples. So here's what Jesus did. Let me read the next verse over. Leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Watch this. Jesus tried to avoid all publicity in order to spend more time with his disciples and to teach them. Did you catch that? They, they, they messed up. They ask him, what did we do wrong? And he tells them, you've got to pray and fast more. But he didn't just drop the mic and say, now for my next magic trick, right? I mean, he didn't like go off and do his next miracle. No, what does it say? He said, he shut down his public ministry. He grabbed his disciples and went alone with them so that he could teach them. That's beautiful right there. And that's the key that I want to lead you to. How does Jesus handle failure? He brought them in close. He, he, he said, okay, all right, no more, no more big ministry, no more platform, no more stage, no more Instagram, none of that. It's going to be you and it's going to be me and I am going to spend more time with you and I'm going to teach you. And I just think that's so incredible 
that the father's way of fixing things is saying, just come a little closer. Let's, let's just spend some more time together. Let me, let me just pour into you once again. And so the Bible says he canceled it all. He shut it down. And, and I, I think that's so great. I, I think from time to time, we do need to shut things down, don't we? I think from time to time, we do need to quiet the noise. I think healthy breaks from social media and healthy breaks from different voices, whether it's the news or whatever, breaks are good. Jesus, took, Jesus didn't even make a mistake and he's the one that took a break. I mean, it was the disciples that messed up, but who's the one that unplugged? Jesus. He said, all right, I'm unplugged for your benefit. And, and so he took them aside and he spent time with them so that he could teach them. And I love that because that's what the father does. Everyone else walked out of the room. He walks into the room. Now, the story gets even better because this miracle is recorded in three of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And y'all know how I like reading it in all the different versions. So here's what happens. This story is in Luke chapter nine. Let me read to you Luke chapter 10. So after this happens, after Jesus spends time with the disciples alone, they're kind of licking their wounds, if you will, but he's teaching them. He's pouring into them. Let me read to you Luke 10.1. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them on ahead in pairs to all the towns and villages he planned to visit. Did you catch that? After he spends time with them, after he pours into them, after he shuts down his ministry calendars, no, no, we're going to focus and we're going to get this right. Luke chapter 10, now go again. Go, go and do it again. I think that is so powerful because not only did he not give up on them, he brought them in closer, but after he spent time with them, he said, now go and do it again. That's what restoration looks like. That's what reconciliation looks like. That's what grace looks like. And that's what mercy looks like. He's like, hold on a second. I'm not done. He, he didn't fire the 12 and say, well, forget y'all. I need a new fresh 12 because clearly these guys can't get it. No, he didn't do that. He brought them in. He shut it all down. He spent time with them. And then he said, now do it again. I love that. Go and do it again. You want to read 1017? That was 101. So, so what happens in verse 17? When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. They were able to do the thing that they weren't able to do in Mark 9 and Luke 9. They were, uh, they were able to do the thing that they had previously failed to do. You've got to know that your failure is not final. Those of you watching online at home, you've got to know that that mistake that you've made, that you've been killing yourself over, don't do that. God's not done with you yet. There's more that he wants to do through you. You might have to shut some noise down. You might have to unplug for a while. You might have to bury yourself at the feet of Jesus again, but just know that your failure, it's not final. You make a mistake, he's not done with you. And I love this. Listen, in Mark 6, he sent out 12. How many sent out in Luke 10? 72. It's not just that he bandaged them up, but I believe he took every single one of them and said, you're going to lead another group. Because again, he had 12 apostles and he sent 72. Who do you think led that effort? The guys that fail. So anytime you fail, if you can come back, you'll always come back stronger. You'll come back with more authority. 
and you're gonna come back with much more experience and wisdom and God will use you in an even greater capacity than you've been used before. That's how he handles failure. The world walks out, the world cancels, the world says we don't want any more to do with you. But Jesus, no, 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 he walks in when other people walk out and he loves you back to life. He'll shut everything else down just to get alone with you. Come on, that's the heart of our Father. I wanna lead you in a prayer right now. And uh, right in this place, can we just close our eyes and pray? And, and maybe you're saying, Pastor, I can't relate to anything. Then just lodge this away. Because as I said earlier, we all make mistakes. We all fall. We, we all fail at some point in time. So if you're saying, you know, Pastor, this, none of this is resonating, just lodge it away for a day. You may need this. But I wanna pray for someone right now that's feeling like they're too far. I wanna pray for someone that is feeling like their mistake was too great. I wanna pray for the person that feels like their failure has caused them to be sidelined and they feel like there's never a return. I wanna pray for you. For those of you that are in the room and those of you that are watching online, come on, let's just pray in this moment. Father, we thank you for what we've just learned from your word right now. We thank you, Lord, because we see that you walk in when others walk out. Help me to see that, God. Right now, there's someone that's watching and someone has walked out of your life and you feel alone. I'm here telling you that God is in the room. Even right now as you're watching, God is right there with you. You're not alone. He's with you. He's never left your side. It might feel like he's not there, but you need to know that he's there because he walks in when other people walk out. And you might be thinking, I don't know if I could ever come back from this. You're, you're dealing with doubt. Your faith is failing you. Let me tell you, you don't have to have it all figured out. Just believe. Don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop clinging on to his hand. Just know that if he began a good work in you, he's gonna complete it until the day that he comes back again because that's who he is. He is the God of a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. This is what he does. And listen, I, I, I challenge you in this prayer right now. If God is calling you to shut things down, then you know what you need to do. Shut it all down and find yourself at his feet once again because God wants to pour into you. He wants to heal you. And don't leave his feet and don't leave his presence until he's healed all of you. There's nothing worse than receiving a partial healing. Let God do everything that he needs to do in you. Let God do everything that he wants to do through you. Because when he's done with you, you're coming back stronger. When he's done with you, you're coming back with more authority. When he's done with you, you're coming back with more wisdom and experience. God is not done with you yet. We thank you, Father, and we receive your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.